And welcome to episode 118 of the Lace Em Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. Who is going to win the Metro Division? Because in case you haven't checked the standings, it's a log jam. There's not too much uh, separating first from third, um, especially the fourth and the fifth seeds gaining on the third. Uh, so we'll talk about uh, the Metro Division. We'll also talk about uh, the wild card races. Uh, we'll talk about Minnesota Wild. Are they going to make the playoffs? Where do they fit into all of that? Um, and we're also going to talk about uh, significant injury or injuries to Sean Monahan, which cut his season short by a couple of games. Uh, is Calgary all but done following that injury to Sean Monahan? We'll talk about that. Also talking about the March me- meetings and whether or not uh, goaltender interference has a solution yet. And of course, how our Bruins and Sens did this week. As we always do, we talk about our two favorite teams in the league. But first, as we do at the start of every show for about the past eight weeks now, we are going to delve into the Hockey Hall of Fame book of trivia. Questions and answers provided by Don Weeks. It's the NHL Centennial Edition. We're at question eight this week. Brett, are you ready for this week's question? I am ready, yes. All right, here it is. Hall of Fame honoree Bill Quackenbush became the first defenseman to win the Lady Bing Trophy. How many penalty minutes did he amass in 1948-1949? Your options are A, no penalties, he wasn't penalized, zero minutes. B, less than 10 minors, which is under 20 minutes. C, 11 to 20 minors, which is between 22 and 40 minutes. Or D, no Lady Bing winner has ever come from the blue line. Oh. This is one of those ones where it's like you, they would only mention it if you had a lot of penalties or you didn't have a lot of penalties. Uh-huh. And I'm not sure if he's even won the Lady Bing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the trick question and go with D. He has no Lady Bing. No defenseman has ever won a Lady Bing. Well. A defenseman has won the Lady Bing. He was the first to win the Lady Bing, and he wasn't penalized either. The correct answer uh, was A. I should have went with that. Right. Yeah, I think, uh, <laughs> and on top of that, he was a Boston Bruin. Wow. All right, yeah. well, now I feel worse. I should have known that. <laughs> you got to dig up on your Bruins history, buddy. Exactly, yeah. Well, fortunately, we're going to be talking a lot about the Bruins in this episode, so without further ado, let's get on with it. And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. That was actually a tough question, so I don't, I don't, I'm gonna say that I, I, I don't think a, a lot of people would get that one. Your gut is really conflicting with you, man. I know, I know. Um, I should have went with my original gut; it just went zero. Um, anyways, uh, <laughs> let's let's talk about the Metropolitan Division. Um, it's been really, really close lately, although I guess. Um, typically the Capitals and the Penguins are on top like they usually are, um, and, it, and this season it's no different. Um, so most of these teams um, have played 75 games, except for the Blue Jackets, 
And then I should also mention that the Penguins and the Flyers play are playing right now. It's actually the 2-1 Flyers right now. But um, there's about seven games left for all these guys, um, if you count, because it's as most of these teams have played 75 games. Um, but I'll just run down um, the entire list, and then we can uh, we'll talk about. There's about five teams that uh, could make all could make the playoffs, um, and about like four that could win the um, the Metropolitan Division. Um, so the Capitals have um, are in first place. They have 95 points um, 70, in 75 games. The Penguins, um, who are playing right now. Uh, they have 90 points in 75 games, I guess, soon to be 76 games. Um, the Blue Jackets have uh, 89 points in 76 games. They had a 10-game winning streak, um, although they lost last night to St. Louis. Um, the Flyers have 88 points, so one less than the Blue Jackets. Uh, they're also playing right now. They're playing the Penguins. Um, and they have 75 games, um, or they've played 75 games, soon to be 76. And then the Devils have 86 points um, in 75 games. And then we go to the Hurricanes, Rangers, and Islanders, who um, have 77, 74, and 72. So they're soon, they'll soon be eliminated, I think it's safe to say um, that. But... Um, it is kind of interesting that, like, it seemed like the Capitals and Penguins both had off years, and, like, the Blue Jackets, the Flyers, and the Devils, they've also had their moments where, um, they weren't good, um, so, but, like, they're all, like, pretty close to, um, close together now, and it's going to be an interesting race, uh, to the finish line, um, but as for who's going to win, I think it's easily it's easy to say the Capitals just because of experience and we know what they were like. Even though they've been in, a, I mean, they've won three straight, but um, you know we've seen it happen before the last two years. Um, but at the same time, you never really know, especially with what we talked about last week with Holtby. Um, Grubauer's been good, but, you know, it's still, um, I think you'd rather see Hope, you'd feel more comfortable with Holt being net. Um, so there's that aspect of things, but, um, it, it does seem to be wide open this year. Um, so, uh, Steve, what, what is your take? So, heading into the evening of February 27th, Philly was in first, Washington was second, and Pittsburgh was third. Uh, and those three clubs were only separated by two points. So that just goes to show you how unpredictable this division is. Anyone can win it, especially when you look at the standings now um, and the strength of the teams. Like it, It's crazy what the Flyers have been able to do with all of their young guns picking it up. Kachuri has elevated his game. Provorov and Konechny have had big years. Giroux and Voracek are playing like themselves again. Um, but Philly's got a pretty tough schedule. Like, outside of the Isles, Hurricanes, and Rangers, who they play in the final three games, and granted, all three of those teams could beat them. 
Uh, they're up against Pittsburgh, Dallas, Colorado, and Boston in their next four games. Uh, Pittsburgh, of course, they're playing right now. All those teams have got something to fight for. And uh, Peter Morazic, I'll be perfectly honest, there have been times in a Flyers uniform where he's been good. There have, uh, there have been times where he hasn't been good, uh, where he's been average. And just the inconsistency of this team and the inconsistency of their goaltending, I can't see Philly coming out on top this year, uh, despite the talent level that they have. Um, the Blue Jackets, perhaps I could see them winning it. Like, you look at what their back end's been able to do. Seth Jones, a few weeks ago, he had three straight game winners. Um, this mind-blowing stat about Zacharensky too. He's the first NHL defenseman in almost 30 years to put up a line of at least 25 goals, 54 assists, 79 points, and a plus 22 in his first two full NHL seasons. And he's the fifth defenseman ever to do that. I uh, stumbled across that a few weeks ago. I found it pretty interesting. So when you look at their defense and you look at Bobrovsky and now he's elevated his game and how Kim Atkinson is starting to pick things up, this Blue Jackets team, uh, especially with Thomas Vanek playing the way he is right now. This Columbus team could surprise a lot of people. And we have seen average teams ride win streaks, really start to get on a roll and really start to believe in one another. And uh, I, I really think Columbus uh, could put themselves in a pretty good position, especially when you consider that they're going to be going to Western Canada. All three Western Canada teams are pro- um, look like they're out of it, for sure two of them. Yeah. Um, but Calgary could be on their way there. Um, they're taking a look uh, also at uh, their schedule. In the final two games they play, uh, they're going up against Pittsburgh and Nashville. That's going to be a tough test, but that's after they go up uh, against the Western Canadian team. So I think out of the teams in the Metro Division, Columbus has the easier end to their season. Yeah. Like New Jersey's still got some tough tests ahead of them. Corey Schneider... Hasn't been good. They've been riding Keith Kincaid. They uh, just came off uh, a couple of key wins on back-to-back nights. Uh, They beat Pittsburgh in OT, and they beat Tampa in regulation. So it's no no question that New Jersey is going to make this race interesting, but they're not going to win it. So I think ultimately it comes down to Pittsburgh and Washington, like you said. And honestly, given Washington's history of – winning the Metro division or winning their division period and not going anywhere in the playoffs. Do they really want that division crown even Right. like they're five points up on Pittsburgh right now, but they need to play their best hockey come playoff time. And they haven't been good enough to do that. Unfortunately. Yeah, that is a good point. Um, I will say though, that like, as we, like a lot of the thing, like a lot of the, it will all come down to just the division games right now. And, like, yeah. at the moment, like, I'm, I'm just thinking about this ahead because now the Flyers are playing the Penguins right now. And if the Flyers win this game, they would um, jump over the Blue Jackets and tie with the Penguins um, for the Metropolitan, to be second in the Metropolitan. So, like, the Flyers are in fourth in their Metropolitan, I mean, I guess you guys, you guys at home will uh, know what happened to the result of this game. But if the Flyers win this game t- today, right? That's happening right now. Um, they could be in second right now, and that's just how close it's been. 
Um, and I think that's what it's really going to come down to is like how like just the division games against each other because that's when you can make up the most ground. Um, and Pittsburgh's a good example of that because they're going up against New Jersey, Washington, and Columbus before exactly. the season's over. Yeah, um, so it should be uh, in- intriguing to see. Um, yeah, um, and Columbus plays Pittsburgh, I guess. Yeah, you just mentioned that the only division games that Columbus has next is Pittsburgh, and that's on April 5th. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so they don't really, but yeah, you're right. So Pittsburgh has a lot of division games. Um, so that could be interesting, and that would be a way to uh, make up the gap. But it does seem like a five-point gap um, is a lot to overcome. So it's really Washington's division to lose in that sense. Um, the good news about Pittsburgh is that they're getting healthy, and come playoff time, yeah. that's what they need. They need their guys to be healthy. Um, with Washington, you, you wonder even if you're going to get a case of Ovechkin fatigue because this guy sure. is scoring at an unreal rate. But like, sure. how much offense is he going to have when the games matter? Yeah, well, I, you know, I think the bigger worry is what's going on with Holtby because you want that well, guy... Yeah. You want that guy to be, I mean, we talked about this last week, but you want that guy to be rested and ready for the playoffs. Um, And I'm not necessarily sure, like, as opposed to other years, I'm not necessarily sure if he will be uh, come playoff time. So we'll see. Especially when you consider that if they finish first in the Metro, they could be going up against either Philly, Columbus, or New Jersey. Or Florida. and it's the same. And it's almost the same case if they finished second or third in the Metro Division. They're right. going to get a good team regardless of where they finish. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, yeah. All right. Let's go to the uh, will they make it section. Um, we can talk. We'll talk more about this wild card race in a second. Um, but oh, but first, I do want to. Mention kudos for Columbus uh, for winning ten in a row. Um, it's crazy impressive. Whenever yeah, especially that. considering they won, they won like what was it, sixteen straight the year before. Yeah, something like that. They're, they're also, the, I think, the third team this year to win ten in a row as well. Yeah, the Flyers had one. I think the Avalanche were the other team. Is that right? Uh, the Avalanche were one of the teams. Yes. And then um, the was Flyers. It was it Nashville? Did Nashville do No, no, one? the Flyers did. They had their moment. Okay, well, I, I know they had one last year, but they missed the playoffs. Right, but I remember, I like, the Flyers... The Flyers had a 10-game losing streak. No, they had a... Ten, and then they went on a 10-game winning streak. Wow. Um, it might be Tampa as well, I don't know. Um, are you sure it's the third? Because I think Tampa also well, maybe, had a 10-game winning there, there could uh, There could be more than three. Okay. I feel like there could be more than three, but uh, there there have been uh, also home winning streaks as well. True, true. Um, all right. Anyways, our uh, team this week is the Wild. Um, they have ninety two points. They're currently third in the Central Division, um, two points ahead of the Avalanche, um, and I guess uh, three points ahead of the Kings who would also have the, a wild-card spot. Um, but, um, yeah, they've uh, they've been really good. Um, I think you're going to want to uh, apologize to Eric Stahl. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he doesn't, yeah, Eric, you don't have to accept my apology. Uh, you, you proved me wrong. He's one goal shy of 40. He's having an incredible season. Uh, yeah, he has 39 goals, 33 assists, 72 points um, in 74 games. Uh, Michael Granlin has an... Um, Actually, Michael Granlin has 59 points, which isn't terrible, but not compared to what he was last year, um, you know, in his breakout year. Um, Jason Zucker has 59 points. And 30 um, goals. And 30 goals. Uh, that's a good call there. Um, the one su- big surprise um, is Nino Niederreiter. I know he's been injured for a while, but um, or for a couple part games of the season, but um, he has 30 points in 55 games. Um, that's nothing like what he was last year, so um, there was that. Orion Suter has 49 points in 74 games. Matt Dumba, 41. Um, so he's picked it up. Jared Spurgeon has been out for the entire season, so um, but he had a pretty impressive run in 37 points in 61 games. But, um, and then for defense, or goalies, I should mention, um, Devin Dubnik uh, is 32-14-6 with a 2.6 GAA and a save percentage of 9.16. This is in 54 games. Um, and then you have uh, a backup, Alex Stalock. Um, in 26 games, he's 10, 10, and 2 um, with a 2.79 GAA and a save percentage of 9.12. So the goaltending, like the save percentage, isn't great for both these goalies, but um, the GAA is pretty impressive. The 2.6 and a 2.79, um, that's pretty good, but um, it could uh, be better, I guess, at the same time. Um, so, yeah. Uh, do you think the Wild are in or not? Uh, well, nothing's a guarantee considering the Dallas Stars have gone on a seven-game losing streak yep. and now find themselves on the outside looking into a playoff spot. So in the Wild Wild West, anything can happen. But it would take a lot for Minnesota to miss the playoffs, I will say that. And I'm, I'm pretty confident to say that... It's a. It's going to be a matter of where they finish. I do mm-hmm. think they're going to finish in the playoff uh, race. It's just a matter of where they fall into things. That's so uncertain, especially in the Central Division. But yeah. uh, th- this this is a playoff team. Like um, you, you talk about Eric Stahl um, in a game against St. Louis after the deadline. He has like a five point night, and along with uh, Mikhail Granlin and Jason Zucker. Following that game, they had 32 points for a combined six-game stretch. They all had at least four points in that uh, lopsided win over St. Louis. Um, he's having his best NHL campaign since 08-09 when he was still with the Hurricanes. Um, coming off his first hat-trick in more than five years, um, he was a first star uh, for the month of February, 13 goals in 13 February games. He's playing very, very good hockey right now, as we've uh, mentioned. Um, and it's, it's frankly something that I didn't see coming, especially at the All-Star break, uh, as you mentioned. Um, I questioned whether or not he was a good choice uh, to be going to the All-Star game. I, I was wrong. He's, yep. he's proving to be 
worthy of his all-star selection. Um, but I also think what they've been doing on home ice is, is pretty remarkable as well. Like Jared Spurgeon, 28 points in 31 home games before he got hurt. Uh, in his first 36 home games, Ryan Suter had 26 points. Um, despite average special teams, they have a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense that's looking very good on home ice. Like, they're right up there with Nashville, Tampa Bay, and Boston when it comes to their record on home, yeah. on, on home soil. And they've surrendered the fewest goals on home ice at last check as well. Um, but like every good team, they have some lulls in their game that they need to work out. There was a game in Arizona where they had a 3 nothing lead halfway through the second. Coyotes score three to tie it up, and they get the equalizer in the dying seconds. About a minute into OT, Arizona steals the secondary. Uh that, that was back on February 8th. And then you look to March 2nd where they get throttled 7-1 to against Colorado. They give up two goals on 11 shots in the first period, give up three goals on six shots in a span of 10-39 to start the second. Staylock comes in. The Avs get one goal on three shots um, uh, in his first three shots uh, of the game. The Avs get another goal. So I, I really do think – that Minnesota is a playoff team. Are they a strong playoff team that could get past the first round? That I'm not so sure about. Yeah, I think it's... Yeah, that, that is a good point. I don't think they're going to catch Winnipeg or Nashville um, at this point. Winnipeg has 100 points, and Nashville has 106 points, and they just clinched their playoffs. Um, but yeah, I don't... Uh, it, it's gonna really be like that third, um, that third spot, and then um, the wild card race. Uh, it seems to be with at least for the central division, it'll be Minnesota, Colorado, and St. Louis. Um, St. Louis, our, our Colorado, you know, they're new to this whole thing. Um, for now, I mean, I guess they weren't really a couple years ago, but. Um, you know, <laughs> compared to what they were last year, this is like a big deal for them. Um, so they could be, you know, Colorado could make it. Um, and St. Louis seems to be on the down um, hill, even though they've won five games. But at the same time, you know, they traded Paul Stasny. So it kind of, and like Tarasenko has also had some injury issues, so it seems like... And their defense like, is banged up, and Carter Hutton's still injured, too. Yeah, exactly, and they have a lot of injuries to deal with, so not just Tarasenko, although I guess Tarasenko came back, so... Um, but, uh, yeah, you're right, they still have a ton of other injuries as well, so um, that's... I, I'm not sure if I, like, fully trust Jake Allen um, in this playoff stretch, um, but... Um, you know, at the same time, they, they have an outside shot at making the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I think Minnesota, at this point, I think Minnesota's in the playoffs. Um, but, uh, it's going to be close. It's going to come down to the wire, I think. Um, I, I did promise everyone to do a wild card update. So we'll do that, even though we talked about both wild card races, but I can do that now. Um, Currently, the Flyers and the Devils hold the wild card spot in the East. Um, Flyers have 88 points. 
Devils have 86 points. Um, the Panthers have 83 points. I could include the Carolina Hurricanes, but um, they have 77 points. It's unlikely that they'd make the playoffs. Um, it, like, a lot of things would have to happen for the Hurricanes to make the playoffs. But, um, so it seems like it's just between the the Devils, the Panthers, and the Flyers. Although the Flyers are more competing with the other three in the Metro division. But, um, I don't know. I think the, the, the Panthers could make it. Um, I'm not sure if the, the Devils are necessarily ready, per se. Um, I think the Panthers are a better team. But, um... But it could, you know, the Devils could uh, uh, could actually uh, come out on top of this race. Um, I don't know. Uh, what What is your feeling uh, of those three teams? Well, I definitely think Florida is going to make uh, the race interesting. Um, that game against Arizona, where they came back in the third period, like they just have. They just have that kind of underdog feel where something special is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely think they're going to make it close. Um, and, and again, especially when you consider with New Jersey, um, how Keith Kincaid is delivering wins, but Corey Schneider isn't. Yep. Um, I think that is a big concern for the Devils. If Corey Schneider can't get the wins, uh, that could be their downfall. But um I, I really do think um, divisional plays is going to factor in, like, for both Florida and New Jersey, yep. whatever divisional games, not just games that they have left, but divisional games especially, they need two points in those True. games, um, especially for New Jersey, considering uh, they've got yeah, I was about to say uh, for some divisional, divisional matchups still to play. I was about to say, for divisional, it's like divisional games for Florida aren't as important. But yeah, for the Devils and the Flyers, it's certainly very important, as we mentioned before. Um, and then in the Western Conference, the wildcard race is a little bit more um, interesting because both divisions are kind of like the third spot are up for grabs. So well, you, mention- look, you look at the standings in the West, like five yeah. teams are separated by like four points. Well, I was about to get into that. Um, so the Western Conference, um, so in the cent- I'll, I'll name, I guess I'll list. So it seems to be that the, the, there are four teams that are pretty much in, it would take like a historic downfall for all these teams for these four Western Conference teams to miss the playoffs. And that would be the Nashville Predators, who have 106 points, and they clinch the playoff spot. The uh, Jets, who have 100 points um, in 74 games. The Vegas Golden Knights, who haven't clinched yet, but will probably clinch any second now. Um, in fact, if they had be- if uh, Columbus had beaten St. Louis in regulation, they would have clinched yesterday. Wow, interesting. So they're they're you're right they're very close. Um, they have 101 points. Um, the and then also the you can say the the San Jose Sharks are also a lock with 95 points in 75 games, um, especially with the streak that they're on too. Yeah. yeah. So the that means that the third division spot is up for grabs. Um, you have the Minnesota Wild, who we just talked about, with 92 points. Um, 
Um, they have the third spot in the Central. Um, and then uh, the Ducks um, currently have the third spot um, in the Pacific with 89 points. But the Kings also have 89 points um, in, uh, as well. And they're, they're close to the wild card race as well. But um, if they beat the Ducks, it's like a competition between the Ducks and the Kings for that third spot. Um, the, uh, currently the two wildcard spots are the Avalanche, who have 90 points, and uh, the Blues, who also have 89 points. Um, so the Kings, Ducks, and Blues... And Avalanche are all competing against each other. Um, we'll talk about the Stars and the Flames, but uh, the Stars lost seven games, as Steve mentioned earlier in this broadcast, broadcast you know episode, I guess. Um, but they have eighty-four points. That's kind of that's kind of tough to make up, especially with this close to the end. Um, and Calgary has eighty points. Um, yeah, to put points. the flame struggles into perspective, yep. the Dallas Stars were four points ahead of Calgary before they started coughing up points. Right. And Calgary's still four points back of Dallas, who have lost seven straight, and yeah. whose playoff odds, by the way, were at over 70% before their slide. Yep. It's now down to five. Yep. Um, it's kind of like, I think what's going to end up happening in this playoff race um, is that the king? It's going to be the the Blues are going to be the odd team out. Um, I'm not sure who's going to get the third spot in the Pacific, but I think the Kings will get. Actually, so either the Kings or the Ducks will get that like last wild card, and will play the Predators, and then the and then the other team will play the Sharks in the first round, um, or he'll play their California counterpart. So, um, it should be interesting, especially, I love when all the the three California teams are all in it, in this division, because it's like, it adds more to the rivalry, and like, in this case, it's like, the Ducks are, currently have the third spot, and they're competing with the Kings um, to do that. And then the fir- their first round opponent is going to be the Sharks. Um, so that's that's kind of exciting in that aspect of things. Um, Oddly enough, taking a look at the Kings' schedule, uh, this Friday they're up against Anaheim. So that head-to-head matchup is going to be huge. On yep. uh, Monday the 2nd of April, they got Colorado coming to town. And then they finish with home games against Minnesota and Dallas. So, L.A. really needs to clean house in those four games. Yep. Um, also, I guess I should mention all the eliminated teams. I forget if we've ever we announced no, them ever. We, in our we haven't. Um, so, do you want do you want me to? Mention well, I, a I no, I have all, I have all uh, so four teams in each conference got eliminated. Okay. Um, I forget. I think a couple of these teams were eliminated last week. We they just were, didn't yeah. mention them. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens, Detroit Red Wings, the Senators, and the Sabres all got eliminated, um, are all eliminated, um, and then you have the Oilers, the Blackhawks, the Canucks, and the Coyotes all eliminated in the Western Conference, so, 
Um, and I assume the flames and the stars will be eliminated pretty soon as well. Um, along with along with the three uh, bottom feeders. And, right, as, as long as yeah, Hurricanes so right, and the two New York teams as well will probably be eliminated soon. Um, but yeah, um, it is funny when I see like the Rangers, like they won last night like 4-2, to two, and I'm like, wait, I thought they were tanking. And... <laughs> They, they they just don't know how to lose, I guess. Um, but, um, which is kind of funny. Yeah, and, yeah the, I don't know if you've been seeing uh, these um, these uh, Office memes. You know the TV show The Office, right? I do know, yes. And and they were, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was the fans or, or who who's making these, but they put The Office uh, theme music in the background. And they show like a, a, a lot of the star players on some of the teams. Mm-hmm. And then on the Rangers, it's just a picture of a tank driving by. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, rapid fire. Uh, we kind of already talked about it a bit, but Sean Monahan is done for the year. Um, just looking at the standings and considering Sean Monahan is one of their core players. He's undergoing wrist surgery in the next week, so he's gone for the season. Um, it looks like, uh, yeah, the Flames are probably, that's probably it for the Flames. Um, and also, we didn't even mention that Matt Kachuk was also, is also injured. He has an upper body injury, um, and he's been out for a while. So, um, they, it's, uh, I guess it's... Um, yeah, I think this is it for the Flames because, like, you know, you only have, you know, the, they do have a strong defensive core, and, of course, you have Johnny Goudreau, but, um, you, you know, you don't have anyone else. So I don't, I don't think, I don't think the Flames can come back from that. Yeah, even even with Monaghan in the lineup, it, it would awfully be tough to overcome because the, the, the inconsistencies have been playing them for the better part of the past couple of weeks. Right. Um, so even even with a healthy 100% Monaghan in the lineup, they'd be pushing their luck a bit. But taking a look at what Monaghan's been able to do, and, and to to take a look at uh, to take a look at some of his stats this year in his first 393 NHL games, he has 138 goals to his name. Didn't have a single season with more than 200 shots, although he did come close some years. But this is his first season with at least 200 shots. He had 202 in 74 games. His career shooting percentage is 14.9%, which is surprisingly efficient when you consider uh, that amongst players with at least 500 shots on goal since Monahan's rookie season in 2013-2014, Sean ranks ninth in shooting percentage and is slightly better than uh, guys like Nikita Kutrov and Joe Pavelski when it comes to shooting percentage. Yeah. Um, and in each of his two years where he scored 30 goals or more, he had at least eight game-winning tallies. He had 11 this year, uh, one shy of tying the franchise record for most game winners in the season. And he's had a couple of OT winners as well. So this guy has been nothing short of consistent for Calgary, a guy that can put up like 25 to 30 goals, 60 points a year, Um. And outside of Johnny Gaudreau and, and uh, Mike Smith, probably the, the most important player that the Flames have. And I think he's more important guy, than battle, Mike battle Smith. Even, those two but... significant injuries, he was also three, and getting injections to treat those injuries. Hmm. Just basically also adds to the character. And I know you're going to say, 
why was he playing hurt? Right. Because I, I know I know you. Yeah, I hate like, when why, players why do that. Why does he play through the injury? I know you're ba- you're battling through the playoffs, but come on. I hate when play. I hate when players play hurt. So, um, uh, yeah, but yeah, you're right. Um, I would say that Monahan is actually their second most important player. I would argue. Um, yeah. I know goalies are important, but um, I think uh, Monahan just adds so much to their offense. Um, where it's like I, I like the idea that like Gaudreau does the assists and Monahan scores. So. Um, I, I think you need that. And I could also argue that, like, uh, Giordano is important, um, more important than Mike Smith, but, um, yeah, no, uh, Monaghan is pretty underrated in, in a, in some regard, um, just for all the stuff that you just mentioned. Um, and the fact that, uh, Monaghan hasn't been practicing as well, yeah. um, like, they were, it was always that, uh, they were managing his minutes, like... They're managing his workload, uh, but over the past week or so, the injuries just kept getting worse. So they made the right call in doing this, mm-hmm. um, and with the Flames struggling the way they are, there's no point in playing him. So, right, yeah. obvious decision, tough one, but obvious. Um, some more injuries. Um, I guess the only reason why we're talking about this now is just because he's a St. Louis Blue. He's not really uh, um, like a big name per se, but. Um, he is a good defensive defenseman. Uh, Carl Gunnarsson is out for the season. He has a knee injury. Um, it's a, I think it's a suffered. Uh, he suffered a torn ACL. Yeah, uh, ACL tear in his left knee, and yeah. it's going to keep him sidelined for the next six months. So basically, the same recovery time as Jay Bomister, and that's partly also why this is important because they're without Jay Bomister. Carl Gunderson was one of the guys expected to log more minutes in right. his absence. And now that he's gone, that just adds insults to injury if you're St. Louis. Who True. Are, like we've said many times in this podcast, fighting for their playoff lives. Yep. Uh, Leo Komarov um, won't suit up on Tuesday. Uh, he, has, he has a lower body injury. Um, he's day-to-day, though. Um, but... Yeah, it's more body. so because he's one of the least top penalty killers, yep. and also a bit of an agitator. So that that's kind of why you put him on this list, just yeah. just for the role that he he plays and what he provides that other leaf forwards don't. So. Ooh, I just uh, I'm just seeing this. Uh, Logan Couture is has an undisclosed injury. Although yeah, I noticed that he got hurt in the Calgary game. I didn't see the injury though. Yeah, I don't know how bad it is. And speaking of the Sharks, I think you mentioned, I forgot to put this in, but you did mention this um, in your notes here, that Joe Thornton is, uh, will probably return come playoff time. So uh, that's something to look forward to for that. Um, and then lastly, we have Jonathan Taze. Um, he has an upper body injury. Um, he is day-to-day as well. Um, but I figured I should mention that because he's a big name so to speak, but um, if the Blackhawks season couldn't get worse, uh, you have that to to worry about. Um, and just for the sake of adding a, uh, ammo against a Hurricanes comeback, uh, Brett yep. Pesci and Victor Rask, both done for the year. And uh, Justin Falk is also injured as well. Yeah. Um, undisclosed. So, yeah, <laughs> that that's a lot. Oh, and also TJ, I don't know if we mentioned this last week, TJ Brody. 
I'm, I'm just looking at all these yeah, different Yeah, yeah, I also heard he was banged up for Calgary, you're right, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know if we mentioned him the last week, though. Yeah, I'm not sure if we did. Uh, ben Bishop, I'm just looking at all these different injuries, I'm not sure if we've mentioned them or not. Roberto Luongo's injury, has an upper body injury, he's day-to-day. Um, Callie Yarncock, I don't think we mentioned that last week, although you might have. Yeah, I mentioned in my notes. Yeah, he's he's out for the regular season, yeah. but playoffs are a possibility. So, um, yep, um, and okay, yeah, that seems to be it. Oh, and Ryan Callahan, um, you yeah. you mentioned that as well. Yeah, day to day. Ely um seems to be uh, ready to play because uh, Joker it his KHL team. I uh, got eliminated this week. Um, in fact, yesterday. Um, it's not official yet, but it is kind of official. It seems like he's going to sign an um, entry-level contract soon, um, which is going to be kind of exciting to see him uh, to see how he does in the playoffs um, and these these last couple of games. It should be kind of fun to see how he does uh, now. Um, he has like a meteoric rise. I feel like. Um, like, cause if you don't know, he, uh, like two days before the draft, uh, he was going to go to BC, uh, but then, uh, BC, uh, didn't like declined his offer, I guess, um, or didn't want him. So then Tovlinen went to the KHL and then he had a crazy season in the KHL. Um, and now he's like, you know, he's one of the more talked about prospects, um, in the league. Um, so, uh, so it should be exciting to see how he does, um, now, um, in the NHL. And like, I don't think, like, if, if BC didn't reject him, um, and he didn't play in the KHL, I don't think people would be talking about Tolpenden as much as they are now. So that's, that's gotta be something. Um, yeah, I don't know. Take, you- take, taking a look at his season numbers, like we were talking about, uh, the toward pace that he started off yeah. with. But he kind of cooled off a little bit. Ended up finishing with 19 goals and 36 points in 49 games. He did have six goals in 11 playoff games, though, which is impressive. And uh, one of them was, I believe, a highlight reel goal. I saw it on Twitter. It was insane. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's he's got a lot of hype to him. And, uh, <laughs> obviously, when people ask about your name and David Poyle says, yeah, he can't take him, um, obviously – uh, it just goes to show you how much the franchise values him. It'll be interesting yeah. to see, more importantly, where he fits in the Predators lineup because, as it is right now, there's a lot of depth to that uh, offensive attack that they have going on there. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, like, uh, what um, reminds me a couple of years ago with the uh, when the Predators were excited about uh, getting Jimmy VC in their lineup. Um, and then it turns out this whole, like, thing happened where VC didn't want to sign. Um, and so then um, they had this whole thing about it. But, um, yeah, uh, I'm looking here. It seems like he didn't, like, his season uh, didn't end as well as I thought it was. It was 36 points forty-nine in 49 games. Although he did have six goals in 11 games in the playoffs, so... There's that, but he also had six points in five games in the World Juniors. So, yeah. so there's so, that. and and like to be 
to be clear, like not everyone is going to excel at the NHL level who excels in Russia. Like Shipachev is especially right away. To be fair, he didn't, I don't think he got a fair shake in Vegas, to be honest. Yep. But I, I think when he gets time to develop, when he gets time to own his craft in the North American level, um, and we saw him score 30 goals in the North American level last year in the USHL. So, uh, there's still a lot of hype to this kid and they see potential and they're, I'm fully confident that the Nashville coaching staff is, is going to help him get to where he needs to be. And once he gets there, it's just another weapon to worry about in Nashville. Uh, one thing I do want to mention though, speaking of prospects, I mentioned this in my notes, Adam Maskerin, according to reports, uh, the OHL uh, forward currently with the Kitchener Rangers, not expected to sign a contract with the team that drafted him. That would be the Florida Panthers. Uh, he recorded 35 goals in each of the last two OHL seasons, got 40 and 67 games this year, and he scored at least 80 points in uh, three straight OHL seasons. Uh, he's going to re-enter the NHL draft this year. Oh. Uh, so who knows? Maybe Nashville could draft him too. I didn't I didn't realize you could do that. You could re-enter the draft. I guess it doesn't happen often, but apparently you can. Oh, is this because he went? He was in the like the he's in a CHL league, and that's what happens if you don't sign. Well, I think if you're draft eligible, like if you're at a certain age, I think you can re-enter the NHL draft. Oh, because okay. I think if he's I think if he's 18 for sure, because that's that's the limit for getting drafted, right? He's right. 18 years old. Well, I know. So in taking like, a look at his, well, he's actually 19 now. Okay, I know um, in so, like. If he doesn't get drafted, uh, for sure he's going to be a free agent signing because okay. he's definitely put up the numbers to warrant NHL teams to at least look at him. Yeah, I know in college, like you know, like a Jimmy VC type situation, if you don't sign, like if you don't sign within three years since you've been drafted, then you can choose where you want to go, like what VC did, what Kevin Hayes did. Um, there's another one I'm thinking of, um, Will Butcher, uh, but like, so I I didn't know if, if there is like the same kind of rules apply for teams, you know, players in the OHL, the CHL, and the QMJHL. But um, it seems like maybe you can just go back into the draft. I guess that's that's possible. What's also interesting about him is that, um, he's, according uh, to what it says on League Prospects, he's got a good work ethic, which is impressive. He's got speed, he's got skill, a mature approach to the game. He yeah. is five foot nine, though. So yeah. to be drafted in the second round two years ago at that size yeah. basically just goes to show you um, the amount of skill level that you possess. True. And, and how teams would be willing to take a guy who's five foot nine that high because you look at guys like Tyler Johnson who I, I don't I think he was undrafted even yeah like I've, I've heard I've heard of guys that have got good talent level but have fallen down uh, the rankings because of their size because of their height yeah and that didn't that didn't affect him at all yeah the best example of that is well Martin St. Louis of course um and also Johnny Goudreau nowadays um you think he was a fourth rounder, um, but like he was like he was really good at BC, um, but and and of course really good now, um, 
but he's another one of examples. But like he he would have been a first round pick if he was just like a couple inches taller. Um, so yeah, there's a couple of those guys where it's like just because they're short, um, they don't get as much recognition uh, before they're drafted. So or Alex DeBrincat is another one. Um, as well. What, what, it's it's kind of interesting even that he wouldn't sign with Florida. I'm interested to see, and probably we'll never know why he didn't decide to sign with Florida, but you oh, look yeah, at sure. guys like they have coming up and Owen Tippett, who's doing pretty good with the Mississauga Steelheads in the OHL right now, and you look at the guys they have in like Barkov and Huberto, why yeah. would you turn down the opportunity to play with guys like that? Um, I think there's probably like maybe he, he doesn't want to go to Florida. I, Maybe that's just uh, yeah, yeah. Well, like I'm sure there are some outside forces that that factor in, but I think it's a um, little different because he's now getting redrafted. So, um, so maybe there there's like like there, what's to say like another team that has even more depth issues um, would do something like that. I don't know. Uh, I feel like, like uh, for the younger guys that haven't been drafted, yeah. I feel like Mascarin is going to get passed up for those. True. So I do think draft stock could take a hit for that reason. Yep. Um, so he could be like a an, another second round diamond in the rough or, or something like that. But True. Uh, or, or, or like I said, it could even be a free agent signing if no one takes him. But yep. I don't expect him to be a first round pick simply because there are a lot of other guys that haven't been drafted that – you probably want to take before master. True. And that's not an arc on his size at all. March meetings. Uh, there were some minor changes for goalie interference, although that was that seemed to be the main topic in these uh, GM meetings. Um, one, the biggest one was that the, a retired official is going to be in the situation room when these things happen. Um, I don't think that's going to change that much for it. Um, I think that's not going to be... Like, I don't... I understand why they didn't want to make, like, a huge change um, in the middle of the season, but at the same time, um, it is a big issue. So I hope they explore this more in the offseason to figure it out. Um, There's also a lot of talk about goalie flopping, which is an interesting issue, and that may be a, a cause of the entire, like, why goalie interference is so unclear is because there are some, there are definitely cases where the goalies flop and they just go down. Um, And I don't know, I think there should be more calls for goalies flopping um, and embellishing. Um, But I don't think that's necessarily going to happen right away. Um, I did see um, someone suggested that what they should do is that, um, like, they should have more concussion protocol for the goalie. So, like, if you're if you go down like that, um, you have to like spend ten minutes in concu- concussion protocol, um, and that would like deter goalies from um, flopping because they don't necessarily want to leave the ice for ten minutes. Yeah, um, which would be kind of extreme, yeah. but I I, I kind of like that idea because that that would definitely uh, limit goalies from doing from from flopping. Um, so there's that. So um, yeah, what do you think of all these changes? Well, 
I, I feel like it's turning into the offside rule, yeah. where it's just like a simple nudge, just like a fraction, like what could see is just like a, a little nudge to like the chest or, or the head or whatever. Like right. even if you're trying to like skate out of the way or, and, and you just like lightly touch the guy and it's enough to like knock him out of balance, that's goalie interference. Right. Whereas like, like it's, it's become like the offside where it's just like a fraction of an inch as opposed to whether or not it's blatantly offside, like the Duchesne incident in Colorado a couple of years ago. So, like, just first of all, they're they're adding this um, retired referee patient room, which, you know, if you have a guy that knows the rules, that's great. You know, if you yeah. want the situation room designing it, make sure, you know, it's someone with an officiating background that's making the final call. I like that idea. However, we still don't know what the heck constitutes goaltender interference. The coaches don't know. The players don't know. The refs might have a different interpretation of that. Make sure it's in writing. And that's why I think it's it's going to become an off-season issue. I hope this issue doesn't arise in the playoffs, but I won't be surprised if it does because yeah. we still don't know what the refs are going to call and what the situation room thinks is goalie interference because – at the end of the day, I just want to see consistency. I want to know what's going to get called and what's not. Not just, okay, we're going to call this one night, we're going to call this another night. Right. Yeah, I think I think that's the big issue is you just want it to be consistency or you just want it to be consistent. Um, and I think um, hopefully they figure it out. I, I know for sure there's going to be some game where goalie interference is going to be like a deciding factor in something um and it's going to be uh it's going to be uh held to pay i guess uh, yeah. uh so to speak also uh vegas won't have a player taken in the seattle expansion draft that was also decided in these march meetings um it will be interesting to see how teams um prepare this time around considering how Vegas did last, uh, you know, during their expansion draft and took advantage of some teams. So I wonder I'm if there's sure going to be... I'm sure Florida and Columbus are going to be prepping extra hard for that one. Exactly. Um, like, and, and yeah, to all the, to all the fans be... who are, are thinking, oh, you know, like they're getting fair treatment, they're not getting a single penny out of the $650 million expansion fee. Right. So given, the, given that fact, I think it's a good trade-off. Yeah, I mean, I guess it it makes sense. Like, we wouldn't. I mean, like it it kind of like stings a bit because like if if the Vegas Golden Knights actually were doing what we expected them to be doing and kind of like weren't good this year, um, then you I know. think that was what was expected when this was signed. It's like they Vegas to be this good. This exactly. Match. That's well. That was my point. Then you kind of like. Be like, all right, that makes sense, fine. But now you're like, uh, but now considering they're good, it seems almost unfair that yeah. they won't have a player taken in this in this expansion draft. So, um, so another thing that they can take advantage of. Um, the Blackhawks and the Red Wings both eliminated, as I mentioned before in this episode. Um, this is the first time since 1969 where both teams aren't in the playoffs anymore. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think, yeah, it seems like both teams are kind of now in the decline. 
Uh, the Red Wings have like are basically s- somehow in the cap hell. Still, I'm not. I'm not sure I understand that per se. But uh, you know, they have uh, goalie. You know, they have goalie issues and some defensive issues as well. So um, there's that. And then the Blackhawks. You know, it's a little bit surprising, but at the same time, not so much. They'll have a couple of. Um, I think this will be the start of the the Blackhawks like not being as good. I know they still have Patrick Kane and they still have uh, Jonathan Taze, but they don't really have too many too too many other players as well. So we'll see. Do you think you think the dynasty's over, right? Um. Yeah, I think so. I wouldn't be having said that. I wouldn't be surprised if next year, like, uh, they. They, uh, you know, they make the playoffs or something, but I don't think they'll win a cup. Um, Corey Crawford, of course, was one of the main reasons why, you know, being injured was one of the reasons why they weren't doing so well. So I think that and he a, was the main reason why they were doing as well as they were. Yeah, before back in he got the, hurt. Exactly. So I think that is a big factor, and we'll see if he can recover next season. Um, but, like, when you look at their cap situation, you know, like, you have Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, who are making $10.5 million for, like, six more years, um, or five more years, I guess, after this season. Right. And then and you have... there's still room to build on, and that's the yeah. problem. And then, you have, and then you have Brent Seabrook making $6.8 million for, like, ten more years, which is absolutely insane. Um, and then you have Duncan Keith um, as well, although, and he hasn't scored a goal yet, which is also kind of crazy. Um, so it's like they need to figure out their defense, um, and they have, you know, they kind of have a Edmonton issue um, where they need a, you know, a lot of their young guys need to actually perform. I mean, they do have Schmoltz, um, who's had a decent season, and uh, Alex DeBrincat, who has had a decent season as well, but and Kino Stroza as well, but um, you know, not really like you know those guys need to perform, um, and they're not getting it. So, um, yeah, this is where guys like Tibu Teravainen would be very welcome to dish. Or the unfortunate Ar- part is that the Blackhawks already traded him away. Or Artemi Panarin as well. Yeah. Who they also traded away? Uh, Bruins send segment. Um, I don't know if you had anything to say on the Red Wings either, but um, we can go to the Bruins send segment. If you I want. think I think it's a sign that that the Red Wings are looking ahead to the future. And I keep hearing these rumblings. What's What's also interesting is that everyone's been talking. Well, not everyone's been talking about, it, but like there's a little bit more chatter going into the storyline of is Joe Quenville going to be back with Ox next year or right. what's the future of Kenny Holland in Detroit? A couple of years ago, we're not even talking about that. Like True. Those guys are like untouchables. And now all of a sudden, their future's in doubt. It's crazy. Yeah, it is a good point. I mean, I guess it just shows how uh, times have changed. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like when you think about like Peter Torelli and Claude Julian, like those two were, like, the hottest commodities a couple of years ago, and now, um, you know, uh, they're not, they're not so much. Um, yeah. so, um, that, 
there's that factor. Um, let's go to the Bruins sense, uh, sense segment. Um, I always forget who goes first. I'm pretty sure I went first last week. All right, so I'll go first this week. Um, so the Bruins, so uh, the Bruins started off hot um, with a Ryan Donato, fresh off of a Harvard College class. Um, he scored a goal in the first period. It was like halfway in the first period. Um, it was a nice play too, um, but. Uh, uh, at this point, I was just like, oh, nice. He has, like, four points in two games. Uh, this guy might be a prodigy or something. But um, uh, he didn't score for the rest of the game. And neither did the Bruins. Um, Braden Shen had this uh, crazy hit on, um, I forget exactly who it was. I think it was Heinen. Krejci. Oh, no, yeah, you're right. It was Krejci. Um, I, th- I would have suspended him at least for the game, but... Um, well, especially given David Backus, you know, and the close hits that he had, and he yeah. got suspended for one of them. Yeah, yeah, that that was the other thing too. Is like you know, Backus has had questionable uh, suspensions this year, and I thought Braden Shen should at least have had a hearing, but um, but he didn't. Um, and then he ended up assisting on the two uh, St. Louis Blues goals. Uh, Jaden Schwartz uh, got the goal for both of them. Um, one in the third period and then one in overtime. Um, yeah, this was a, you know, for this, at this point, um, well, first off, the Bruins uh, clinched a playoff spot. So so it was kind of like a bittersweet moment for us. It's like, oh, we lost, but, you know, we're, we're in the, we clinched a playoff spot. So yeah, that, so you kind of won that. even though you lost. Yeah, and then at the same time, you know, we don't have McAvoy, Rick Nash, Tory Krug, Jake DeBras, Chara, Bacchus, Bergeron. Um, so we're we're injured. So it's like it's like it's even a miracle that we gave, we kept it even close. So um, so like in this in this regard, and Rask wasn't even playing. So um, it was one of those things where um, like I'm sad we lost, but at the same time we put up a fight, and that's all you can ask for in these kind of given the circumstances. Um, it was one of those gritty games, yeah. too, like 22-20 to 20 where the shots in favor of the Bruins. The Bruins yeah. were getting out hit pretty bad as well. Yeah. Like, it was a boring game, but they forced overtime. Yeah, I was watching it. It was pretty boring, too. I'll, 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 I'll uh, vouch for that. Um, but uh, then um, I think, like, this is also, like, kind of, like, proof that, like, Bruce Cassidy... Like I know Cassidy won't win the uh, the Jack Adams, but um, by the way, I actually saw this the other day. Uh, since taking over as coach, um, Bruce Cassidy. Wait, hold on. I have the wrong stat here. Um, not the updated stat. Um, in his first 100 games, Bruce Cassidy is 64, 25, and 11, um, which is incredible. Um, so, uh, you know, like, I was talking about Claude Julian the other day, but, like, you know, I didn't expect this, um, per se. Uh, he won't win the Jack Adams, which is um, kind of insane. Um, I would give it to him, but... I don't know. Maybe we'll we'll win the cup. 
um, just so uh, just so he has that instead. Um, I think it's just his ability, just like to yeah, like work with everyone, like mm-hmm. just an all around great fit for the team. Like young but, guys, veterans, yeah. like he's. He's really been able to utilize everyone, and it's like the young guns have picked it up this year. Like they pulled their weight. Yep. The veterans have been the veterans. Their goaltending has been great, uh, from yeah. Hugh Dobin to Rask. Just kind of like everything going right, like it was with the Sens last year. Like this, yeah. this team reminds me so much of what Ottawa was doing last year. Yeah, I mean, I guess it is similar to what Ottawa was doing this year, uh, last year. Um, I, I was just saying, especially nowadays when you don't have, like, a, a lot of our best players, like Chara, Bergeron, McAvoy, but, um, at this, so it's, like, it's amazing that he's getting so much out of these guys when we shouldn't even be, like, like, close in any of these games, um, so, uh, and you're, pu- and, you're yeah. and you're pushing with Tampa for the division lead, too. Exactly, yeah, and we might, like, get the division lead without like a full squad which is just incredible so so there there's something to that but um yeah we'll see um so yeah speaking of which um the uh Bruins play the Stars um this was on Saturday no no Friday Friday Friday. um the uh they started things off with Essel Lindell um this was like Pretty. Uh, this seems to be a Tuka Rast like specialty. He always gives up like a goal really early in the first period. I don't know if you noticed this, but um, it seems like it's it's always the case where they let up a goal right like at the start of things. Um, it's just so uh, it's just a weird wrinkle to things. Um, then uh, Jamie Ben gets a shorthanded breakaway goal. It was pretty nice, so there's nothing that Tuca could have done there. I just remember thinking, like, oh, okay, yeah, he's going to score here. As soon as he got the puck and the breakaway, I was just like, oh, he's Jamie Benton's going to score there. Um, and then in the third period, um, just the, like, the Bruins showed their fight once again. Um, the uh, Brad Marchand scores things up um, to start the third period. And then he had Tim, Timmy Schaller. Uh, he's from New Hampshire. Um, he has Granite State. Uh, apparently, Jack Edwards always mentions that he's from the Granite State um, of New Hampshire. I think because Jack Edwards is also from New Hampshire. Um, <laughs> but anyways, he had a shorthanded, another shorthanded goal. I mean, it was a pretty silky smooth uh, goal there, too. It was a nice shot. Um, like at a weird angle too, so um, it was uh, and it was a good pass by Brad Marchand um, out there, and then um, and then you're, I was just thinking it's like oh we're going to overtime, and I don't know if you remember the last time the Stars and the Bruins played, but Tyler Sagan got this overtime goal. Yeah, it's a really nice yeah. goal. Yeah, so um, this was in the third period. Uh, date so it was like you know. Bruins were just putting pucks on net, basically, and then uh, within like the last seconds, eleven seconds left, David Pasternak scores, like uh, like from the ice, like he was on the ice when he scored. It was just an incredible, um, 
it was amazing, uh, just to say the least. And this, it was funny too, because Jack Edwards' call was just like, as soon as the the, he scored, they're just like, yeah, Dallas. This probably puts the nail in Dallas's season right now, um, in their coffin because they didn't even get a point um, per se. So, um, yeah. Uh, it's also like kind of, um, interesting considering we were playing Tyler Sagan's team, um, and Pasternak was the first, uh, first round draft pick that, um, that year afterwards. Um, and you know, so Pasternak was like basically the Tyler Sagan, um, replacement, so to speak. Um, so it was kind of fitting that he gets the game winning goal here. Um, and he did the same thing that Tyler Sagan did lat, you know, for the, uh, the game earlier this season. So, um, yep, it was, uh, it was definitely, um, fun, uh, per se. I love Brad Marchand and David Pasternak, uh, more than my family members, uh, per se. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm sure they love to hear that. Yeah, I know. Well, they don't really listen to this, but, um. <laughs> Um, it is funny um, to say. What, what, I, what I do think, though, as good as, Berge, uh, as, good as Bergeron, Pasternak, and, and Marshawn have been all year, mm-hmm. um, and as good as these late-game heroics have been, none of this was possible on this occasion because of Tuka Rass. Because you look at his stat line, he stopped yep. 40 of 42 shots, 16 of 17 in the opening frame. Uh, the Dallas Stars had 14 shots with the extra man. They got zero goals. Uh, 15 of those 42 shots came from the Radulov, Sega, and Ben line. Yep. Uh, if it wasn't for Tuca, the Bruins aren't in a position to make the comeback. So, it's true. Uh, real tip of the hat goes to Tuca because yeah. um, it all started with him. Yeah, he stopped. He saved 40. Um, yeah, the Dallas Dallas had control for most of the game, it seems. So um, uh, they kept on shooting. and I mean, Kerry Lennon was impressive, uh, impressive as well. Um, he had 33 saves, but, um, he was, he was, it seemed like he was unstoppable for, um, like the, at least the first two, um, periods, um, there. So, uh, yeah, um, you know, I'm proud of the squad. Um, I don't know, I think I showed you, um, but I don't know if the rest of the, my, our listeners, um, have seen the, uh, the Bruins put out a, um, a commercial, for uh, with Michael Felger, um, who, who uh, I, like I think in October he said that the uh, the Bruins were too young, um, and that's why they uh, wouldn't make the playoffs. Um, he also said Tuca wasn't a top ten goalie. If he exactly, that. but uh, but like anyways, the Bruins made a commercial with like they had that like you know, that sound bite of Felger going on that, like, they're too young, they won't make the playoffs because they're too young, and then, um, and then meanwhile, they have, like, McAvoy scoring, Pasternak scoring, Danton Heinen scoring, and, like, all these guys, like, like, uh, basically mean mugging Michael Felger, and it's, it's kind of cool because, like, you know, like, fans, like, like, Bruins fans, like, hate Michael Felger, because, you know, all this stuff with, you were mentioning with Tuca and, um, and the young stuff, but, 
you know, it's just, I've never seen, like, a team actually, like, like, make something just so, to retaliate against a radio host. Um, it's just, uh, like, I, I'm, I'm sure Michael Felger actually loves it, because, you know, that's kind of his job, is to be, like, a, a the contrarian, um, hot take guy. But, um, it's, you know, but, like, at the same time, he just, they just, the Bruins just put him in a body bag, basically. Um, so, I, I enjoyed that commercial a lot. It got me amped, um, to say the least. Um, and also, I mentioned this before, but uh, Ryan Donato um, apparently is still taking classes at Harvard while playing for the Bruins. It's kind of, you know, like, no big deal. You, you go to an Ivy League school, prestigious school, and then you're uh, playing for the Bruins on the side. Um, not, a, not a bad um, situation there. Um, yeah. It kind of sucks for his free time because I'm sure, you know, a lot yeah. of college, you know, kids want to party. It's just like, hey, man, what are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm playing for the Bruins. No big deal. <laughs> right. I know. I know. And also, it's like, I mean, Harvard's like known for its academics. Um, yeah. If, if any Canadians, I mean, I'm sure everyone everyone knows what Harvard is, but um, it's just it's just funny that he's like, <laughs> he's like taking on classes at Harvard, which is like, really tough classes, and then, you know, and then he's playing for the Bruins at the same time. It's just, uh, it's, it's kind of nice. He's like a superhero. Um, he must be the most popular kid in class. Although yeah. when it comes to, like, helping out with Omar, he's just like, you know, man, I, I don't got time for that, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I was, I'm just, I, uh, I have to Pretty go to St. Louis. Yeah. with uh, my day job, you know. Um, and also, before I send it to you, Steve, um, it looks like Bergeron and Krug are going to play um, tonight in Minnesota. Um, so, so that's that's exciting to see. Like, this is what we were like without Bergeron and Krug for the past couple of weeks, um, and now we have. You know, now they're playing. You know, now they're now they're playing, and it could potentially um, get the division lead. Uh, they play Winnipeg on Tuesday. Uh, they play Tampa on Thursday, which is exciting. Um, and then on Saturday they play Florida. Um, so and then they also they also uh, have a do they have a Sunday game as well? Oh, they do have a Sunday game against the the Flyers. Yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, the they play Tampa twice um, for the rest of the season. Yeah, and they are four they're four points back from Tampa at this point, so... Is it reasonable to say um, those two games are going to decide the division winner? Yeah, well, I was I was just getting to that. Yeah, I think I think if, like, the Bruins win those two games, then I think they could um, they could definitely get the, the division lead there, um, per se, which is kind of wild considering where we were at at the beginning of the season um, and where Tampa was at at the beginning of the season, so... Um, it's, it's certainly possible, especially since the Bruins have two games in hand from the, the Lightning. Um, so I, I think it could happen. I mean, personally, I'd rather play one of the wildcard teams than Toronto. Than Toronto, yeah. So I, I kind of want this to happen, but um, we'll see how it goes. 
Um, I kind of want the Toronto matchup simply because that's probably going to be the most compelling series of round one. Right. And I think it'd be a lot closer than the Sens series. Mm-hmm. So just for the matchup, I would want that. But prob- I-, I would understand why you wouldn't want to go up against Toronto. Because exactly. that would be a tougher order than the wildcard team. Yeah, I'd rather play... I guess we would probably play the the Devils or the Panthers um, if we get the wild card spot. Um, if we get it's the, either going to be Boston versus Toronto or Tampa versus Toronto. Either way, the Leafs are going to have a good matchup on their hands. Yeah, but I mean, I, if I was a Toronto fan, I don't know if I would want either team. Um, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, you're going to get one of them. You're not yeah. going to finish higher than first. Uh, so, what about your Sens? Well, uh, last week we told you that uh, Eric Carlson wasn't slated to play in the game against Florida because of illness. Uh, what right. we didn't know until we got off the air is what really happened, and that was uh, Eric Carlson's son, Alex Mike, Axel Michael Carlson, uh, was stillborn one month before his arrival. Uh, and Eric and Melinda have actually been spending the past couple of days grieving his loss. Um, something that's going to take a very long time to deal with, um, he needs support from the community right now. He needs it from the front office to his teammates, from the fans who cheer for him. And obviously you can't imagine what he's going through right now unless you've gone through it yourself. Uh, but imagine expecting your first child, especially with the kind of pride and joy that Carlson had during that baby reveal back in November and having that moment away from you just like that. It's, it's absolutely heartbreaking. And what I find absolutely gut-wrenching is some of the negative reaction that Carlson's been getting. Uh, in particular, this Instagram phony, I will not name this person's account because they deserve no publicity. Uh, this Instagram phony uh, wrote, quote, I feel bad for the baby. He didn't have a fighting chance with Melinda popping painkiller meds every day. Jeez. This person, who I wonder if they have any morals, had zero posts, two followers, and was only following two people, Eric Carlson being one of them before that hurtful message uh, basically went viral. Um, They could be a bot, for all I know, run by someone else who has no life, but to make the people around them miserable as possible, which, you know, who am I to say? I don't know the person. But uh, Eric Carlson even even responded. He said, this person has been making fake accounts, buying hacked ones, if that's even possible, for months to harass him and his wife, Melinda. Uh, in, in, in my opinion, if you write something like this, you do not deserve to be a parent. End of story. Like yeah. this is this is. I wouldn't cutless. even give him attention, honestly. But no, that's why I'm not gonna. That's why I'm not gonna name the person. Like okay. it's it's just absolutely shameful. Just yep. like to have, to, like when the emotions are like still raw, especially just to willingly type that. Yeah. Well, it boggles my mind. Absolutely boggles my mind. Uh, but fortunately, you know, Carlson has got 100,000 more f- people that love and care yeah. about him and, and his wife, Melinda. I, I will and, say that the overwhelming, there's like, there was so much support for Carlson this week, it seemed like. Yeah. Um, which is kind of like, I remember that we did talk about this, like, I think Jordan Stahl also had a newborn who died. Um, yeah. You know, it didn't seem like a lot of people were paying attention to that. And um, it seemed like, you know, Eric Carlson 
uh, su- like sun dying, it seemed to be a bigger news. Not 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 what, saying that there's anything. What's also interesting though is the is the Jordan Stall thing that happened in the middle of trade deadline week. Yeah, that's so true. Probably a lot more people are captivated yeah. in that as to where their favorite player. Was I mean, going. I guess, and there's also something to be said where, like, you know, obviously Eric, Eric Carlson is more popular and a better hockey player than Jordan Stall is, mm-hmm. but uh, so there might be something to that, but. Yeah, you're you're right. The, also, the trade deadline stuff may have something to do with it as well. I just thought it was a little but, interesting. Uh, yeah, Not saying uh, like you should compare the two, but no, I, I guess no. I am comparing the two. So I'll I'll just, I'll just shut up for now. Yeah, but both are equally tough circumstances. Exactly. And yeah. Our thoughts are with Eric and Melinda Carlson of during course. this time. Um, needless to say, uh, despite all of that, the Sens still had to go through their weekly grind. They had some games to play. And after a positive week like they had, you wonder, you know, with everything that Carlson's going through, where are they going to be able to play some inspired hockey for Eric Carlson? And the answer was an abrupt, no, they couldn't. <laughs> um, they got walloped by Florida 7-2. to And I know Florida is fighting for their playoff lives. They need every single point they can get. It was going to be a tall order. But given the fact that Ottawa you know, beat teams like Dallas the week before, made it close with Columbus, uh, beat Tampa Bay as well as Florida. Like, it's, it's again, a perfect example of how Jekyll and Hyde this team is and why they're going to be missing the playoffs this year. Because the Ottawa Senators have the team to be really good one week, but then you have balls like this where, where they prove, where they – where they proved to everyone why they're not making the playoffs this year. Um, four goals against in the second period proved to be the difference in the Florida game. Anderson got chased after four goals against on 17 shots. Um, taking a look at some of the other stats. Oh, yeah, Bobby Ryan hurt his hand again. If this poor guy uh, had uh, didn't have bad luck, he had no luck at all because uh, his hands are just absolutely banged up. Um they outshot Florida 17 to 12 in that second period where they gave up four goals. Um, it it was just one of those games where, you know, Ottawa looked like they could have won it, but just a stretch of hockey cost them the game. And uh, it, it's just been an, an overused scene. The one good thing that did happen in this game, because we did find out about this uh, tragic news surrounding Eric Carlson and his family on Tuesday. Uh, Stuntman Stu, a, um, the PA announcer for the Ottawa Senators and uh, also a, a radio host here in Ottawa, uh, was battling leukemia back in 2016, and he needed a bone marrow transplant. Um, and he found a perfect match, um, underwent the bone marrow transplant, and uh, he's uh, beaten cancer to this point. Um, and uh, he actually got to meet his donor, uh, David, who is from Israel. And he actually came to Ottawa, David did, to meet Stu and to attend his first ever hockey game, which was unfortunately the Senators-Panthers game where uh, the Sens just got royally beat. But uh, it was it, it was a great moment uh, for, for those two and uh, happy for Stu and happy for David uh, that he was able to make a difference like that. Um, Sens couldn't make a difference against the Oilers on Thursday. Connor McDavid did make a difference for the Oilers. He's actually 
now overtaking Kutra for the overall scoring lead. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. Uh, two goals, two assists, uh, and five shots on goal against Ottawa certainly helped that cause. Uh, Craig Anderson, again, did everything he could to keep his team in the game. The Sens were outshot 18-9 in the first period by Edmonton. They were only down one nothing. They were down 2-1 to one after Matt Duchesne cut to the Oilers lead in half early in the third. And then in about a span of three minutes, bang, 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 the Oilers scored three goals. That's all she wrote. Uh, once again, another stretch of hockey where the Sens um, could have won the game but didn't, and they end up losing uh, that game by a score of 6-2. to two. And then we have uh, the game against Carolina where Carlson comes back, records a point. But once again, this time in about 68 seconds, the Hurricanes scored twice to turn a... Two to one lead into a four to one lead. They end up winning that game five to two. So once again, another bad stretch of hockey plagues the Sens and uh, costs them two points uh, in the standings. Which, again, like I've been saying, losing games might not be the worst thing for Ottawa right now. Um, especially when you consider during those March meetings, we found out that um, the losing teams can have a better chance of drafting first overall than last year. Not as greater chance as uh, the Leafs did when they drafted Matthews in 2016, but better odds than last year. So um, that might be good for Ottawa in some in some aspect. Um, but in the Carolina game, like Ottawa choose Carolina 36 to 24, uh, they still somehow managed to lose that game. Um, and again, just a perfect example of why the Sens are missing the playoffs. It's 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 just a it's just a head scratcher to me how yeah. this team was so good last year and now they're fighting for a lottery pick. Yeah, it's it's, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, so taking a look at their schedule, Car- Ottawa's in Carolina on Monday, so they complete their home and home there. Uh, back home on Tuesday to host the Islanders, who are probably going to be out of it soon. Uh, they host Florida again on Thursday. Hopefully that game goes better than. Uh, last Tuesday, and then they're in Detroit for a Saturday night game versus the Red Wings from uh, Little Caesars Arena. Uh, There are a couple of pluses um, that I want to get to, prospect alerts and all that, but uh, if you want to chime in on the sense, you can. uh, Just, like, give your quick thoughts if you wish. Yeah. Because I feel it's it's kind of boring just me talking the whole time. (laughs) Well, no, it's fine. Um... Yeah, I mean, I I was I'm, I did chime in during the Carlson stuff. I, obviously, I feel for his family and stuff, and I don't know. I think it's as for you're right. It's I mean, I feel like we say the same thing every week for both teams. You know, it's like um, for the Sens, it's it seems like it's just it is incredible that they were so good last year, um, and then. Um, you know, you would think that, like, oh, like, and that was part of the reason why you did this Matthew Shane trade, um, to, uh, you know, because you were going for it, and then that kind of backfired in a way. Um, although Matthew Shane's been pretty good for them, as uh, if I recall correctly. So, um, but if you look at the standings, though, Nashville and Colorado exactly. are trying to make the playoffs, and Ottawa isn't. Right, but like, and I think what's going to hurt them though is that like. Like, let's say, because you guys, you, you have the lottery-protected pick from Colorado, 
So, like, you could, yeah. you do have this pick, but, like, if you guys stink next year, Colorado's going to take yeah. that first-round pick, and that's going to that's gonna sting if, if you guys are bad again. So, it's going to be one of those things where you guys are going to have to figure out. I'm not sure what you guys are going to do this offseason, especially with this whole Carlson contract thing looming, because um, you guys need to be good next year. Um, and I'm not just because of that, you know, Colorado first round pick thing. And I'm not sure, um, if that's going to happen, um, necessarily, unless you guys get Darlene, then I think you guys have a chance. Cause then you have, you have a solid, like th- three defensemen with Carlson, Darlene and Shabbat. And then you have, you know, Duchesne, Stone and Hoffman, Hopefully, um, healthy all all six of those guys, um, and then you know that that's that's a nice lineup, but you know you need you really need Dalene of all the teams. I guess maybe the Sabers, but like of all the teams that are in the hunt for like Dalene, I think it, like um, you could like the Senators need Dalene more than anyone. Maybe, like, the Islanders, I guess, or uh, uh, the Canucks, I guess, as well, or the Oilers, but, like, um, yeah, I think you guys would benefit the most. Um, What's funny is that the Islanders actually could have three lottery picks. Their own, the one they got from Edmonton, and the one they got from Calgary. Wow. Oh, Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. (laughs) That That is interesting. So, all of a sudden... Uh, Gar Snow kind of looks like a genius in that aspect. The one True. time he looks like a genius. Yeah. Well, I mean, he also drafted Matt Barzal, to be right. fair. But yeah. yeah. And he one also... One of the few times he's looked like a genius. Yeah. He's had some bad ones, but he's had some good ones. True. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess it's arguable who, who would need more defense. Because you guys still have Carlson and Shabbat. But I think it's, like, it's imperative, especially... With that, I think like, just with the amount of depth yep. that's in this year's draft, I think Ottawa needs to keep this year's pick. Yep. Even if it's not Dallin. Yeah, but. true. I mean, I guess you guys could could make way if it's like Shevnikov or Zadina. I think those are the other guys. Um, but like, I feel like, especially with if you don't know what Carlson's future is going to be like, I feel like it's imperative yeah. for you guys to get a defenseman. Um, who can t- yeah, just hopefully, case, yeah, yeah, like even like uh, I think Bogfist is the, another guy um, who's yeah, Evan nearby. Bouchard's been getting some hype too. Yeah, the OHL. so I feel like a defenseman might b- make sense uh, for your first round pick there, mm-hmm. um, just just based off of this whole Carlson stuff because uh, you don't know. Like it would be great if Carlson could stay, but at the same time you have to p- prepare yourself. Um, and you know you'll you'll have Shabbat for a little bit longer too. So um, I think I think in that aspect you have to prepare for that. Yeah, I know it's, it's and, and I know it's I know it's tough to think about because yeah. you don't want to necessarily think about Eric Carlson leaving, but it might happen, and I think you have to prepare for it. Well, I think just with the budget team, and I've said it many times, and I'll say it yeah. again. My fear is when they draft Allen, Carlson's out the door because. If you yeah. lock up Carlson, 
You cannot afford to keep him, I, Shabbat, and Dolan long term. You just can't. I wouldn't. There's no way. I wouldn't trade Carlson even if they did get Dolan. Um, I think it is stupid for them to even consider trading Carlson. I know. Um, but he, if they get him signed to a long term extension, yeah, and that contract's a big one, they can't even if they, they wanted to. They could. True. Yeah, I mean, I guess. There is, I mean, I, I did say this before, it's like if you have Carlson, if you sign Carlson up for, um, you know, like, Carlson's going to be 30 by the time this contract ends, and I'm not necessarily sure, like, I know this is a hot take, but I'm not necessarily sure if he can sustain all that, so, um, you know, sustain what he's been doing uh, the past 10 years or so. So, um, so like, you know, this kind of reminds me of like Chara back then where like, you know, Chara definitely changed the franchise and he's been our franchise, uh, one of our better franchise defensemen, um, in the league and was one of the reasons why we, the Bruins won the cup in 2011. But now, you know, he's like, I mean, he's had a... He's had a comeback this season, but like the last he's couple not seasons, the face of the franchise he, and he's not the face of the franchise, and he's not what he used to be. And I think the same can be said for not just Carlson or Chara, but like any defenseman, um, they're they're not as good when they get older after like thirty years uh, old. Shea so Weber, Shea Weber, yeah, exactly. So. Um, so there, there is that aspect of things where um, I'm not necessarily sure if Carlson um, will be as good. However, I know that like he's a generational talent um, in his own right. So, um, so it's kind of like tough to lose that kind of guy just based off of that. So, um, and also you have to like think about like if you look at. Edmonton um, with uh, Connor McDavid. Now we're just rambling here, but <laughs> Connor McDavid and Drysaddle and their contract situation, where like their the Oilers like cap situation is kind of screwed for the future because you're paying so much for those two guys. I mean, McDavid is worth it, and Drysaddle may be worth it in a couple of years, but like. Um, you can't afford to get a lot of core, core players um, in the future because of all that. Because you paid McDavid too much, and that's where like the Blackhawks are in trouble. The Penguins could be in trouble if they didn't rely on like Connor Sheary, Jake Gensel, and those those type of players. Um, and drafting good players will only take you so far as the Hawks exactly. are finding out now. And so, Tampa's going to find out the hard way eventually, yeah. too. And the, the Bruins, like, after I, I read an article um, where it was talking about how after the Tyler Sagan trade, you know, you would think that trade would have got the team uh, in terms of future. Like, we would be, like, the worst team in forever, and we'd just be dead, you know, we'd be in the cellar for 20 years or whatever, and, um, you know, not to mention we still had Bergeron, we still had Rask, we still had Chara and Marshawn, although at the time Marshawn and 
uh, wasn't as great, you know, wasn't as good. But, um, you know, you, you still, but like the Bruins did draft, had like an incredible draft in 2014. They had Pasternak, Danton Heinen, and uh, what's his face, uh, Donato in the 2014 draft. Then the 2015 draft, you have DeBrusque. Um, we'll see how Seneshin, uh, Zaboral, and J- J- Jacob Forsbaka Carlson. But Carlo was also in that draft. The 2016 draft, you had uh, Charlie McAvoy, who's been another franchise-altering player. So it's it's really all about how you draft, and, and it's like time will tell kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it's like, you know, I guess the Sens just need to draft well. Um, yeah. It's really and, the, and, the thing. And while we're on the subject of drafting and developing, that's actually what I'm going to close off the rank with. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, that homestand, uh, they got outscored 18-6 to six in three straight home games. There were some yeah. positives, though. Uh, in Carlson's absence, Cody CC played top minutes on defense. Uh, in the Florida game, he had five shots, three block shots, one hit, and one giveaway in 25 minutes, five seconds of time on ice. In the Edmonton yeah. game, he played a whopping 32 minutes and 49 seconds, almost five minutes shorthanded. He recorded one assist, two shots, four block shots, and five hits. And then Carlson comes back in the lineup on Saturday. He still played 25 minutes, 11 seconds. Cody CC did. He recorded three shots in that game, along with four block shots and just one hit. Um, and then meanwhile, you have Christian Wallenen. Uh, who they drafted in 2015 as a fourth-round pick. He, they signed him to an entry-level contract. Held pointless in his first two NHL games, but he's coming off a season in North Dakota in which he recorded 12 goals and 35 points in only 40 games. So uh, good to see him come into the mix there. Uh, you have Philip Schlappick scoring his first career NHL goal in the Edmonton game. Uh, so uh, there's that. Good for Philip, and uh, hopefully the first of many. Uh, and then on the prospect front, you have goaltender Philip Gustafson making the trek to Belleville. He's expected to get some ice time with the baby sense before the season is over. Uh, in 22 SAHL games this year, he recorded a 2.07 goals against average, 9.18 save percentage as well. And then Aaron Luchuk in the OHL winning the OHL scoring title, 40 goals and 115 points in 68 games split between Windsor and Barry. So there's... A couple of positives uh, to consider going into the offseason. That's not all doom and gloom, but Ottawa needs to build on their future. And it starts with uh, the state of their front office. Apparently, uh, on Friday, um, there were a lot of interesting points from Sens Jim Pierre Doran. He had uh, he decided to hold a uh, conference call with a lot of the season ticket holders, a lot of them. Uh, a good handful of them saying, please don't trade Eric Carlson. It will be a very, very bad decision with a lot of bad consequences if you do, regardless of how good it is. Because, again, I've said before, this would be the third time since 2013 where Ottawa's captain somehow or some way leaves town. Yeah. And it's just a recurring theme that the Sens fans are tired of hearing about. Oh, another captain gone. So, uh, speaking of Eric Carlson... Pierre Dorian said the plan is to give him a contract offer come July 1st. Uh, They'll do their best to keep Duchesne. They're doing their best to sign Mark Stone, a pending restricted free agent, to a long-term extension. Uh, They plan to add to their scouting development, which is huge because apparently uh, their scouting development 
uh, isn't that big right now. And so they're also going to evaluate their coaching staff. And when Pierre Dorian says he's going to take a look at everything, the coaching staff should be involved in that process, given how good they were last year and how not so good they've been this year. Mm. Uh, and the Oilers have got a lot of good top five overall picks in the past couple of years, as we mentioned, but they consistently miss the, the postseason. Sometimes it's more than just the players. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see um, how uh, Pierre Dorian addresses that. And then we end with the cries to Mr. Melnick. The Melnick out billboards went up last week. They uh, appeared on four <laughs> billboards across the Ottawa region. They'll stay up there for another week. Uh, the guy behind it, Spencer Callaghan, um, understands it's a different situation than the snow must go in New York because, first off, snow is the GM of the Islanders. He's not the owner mm. of the Ottawa Senators, which Melnick is. So you can fire the GM, but you can't fire the owner. So there's a clear difference there, and he understands that. But what he wants to do is to make this point a topic of conversation. He wants to get Melnick's attention. He wants Melnick to actually listen to what the fans have to say. And guess what? It might have worked. Because in the coming weeks, Melnick's hosting a few town halls with the fans. He's willing to listen. So if there's no change that comes out of this, at least we know where the Sens Army stands. At least we know how much Melnick cares. Uh, and when asked about these billboards, um, a lot of people are saying, yeah, it's a good idea. Other people are saying, well, is it going to really accomplish anything? Um, it, it has accomplished something because it's grabbed the attention of the owner. Yep. And the owner's willing to listen now, so that's good. Uh, now, Sens defenseman Mark Gorbietsky has pulled in Andrews Lee. Uh, he defended the Sens owner, points out that he saved him from relocation uh, when he was a kid, and I'm not denying what Melnick has done before in the past because the Sens aren't where they are without him. But a lot of people do not like the direction this team is headed. They recognize that big changes could be coming. If the fans don't speak up now and make their voices heard, it could be too late to reverse any damage that's being done. So I think the fans have an obligation to save this franchise and kudos to the people that are taking it upon themselves to make their voices heard because I really do believe the power of conversation can change where this team goes in a couple months. Yeah. Um, I just saw this news that Carlson won't travel with Sens in order to stay with his wife. Um, yeah. So um, it looks sense. like, it looks like he may just play. I wouldn't be surprised if he just plays home games um, from now on. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that would probably be a wise thing. Uh, yeah. Taking a look, actually, at uh, the sense uh, schedule the rest of the way. We have already talked about uh, their schedule already. But here's the amount of remaining home games they have left. Uh, the Islanders, of course, on Tuesday. Uh, the Panthers, uh, they host Thursday the 29th. Uh, and then Winnipeg, Patrick Lane and the Jets will be their final home uh, date, uh, Monday, April the 2nd. And then they uh, conclude the regular season on a three-game road trip in Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and Boston. So uh, there's three home games left. Um, also, um, okay, so we're going to finish the show. The uh, Pittsburgh Penguins actually beat the uh, Flyers in overtime. Oh, wow. So the Penguins now have 92 points, and the Flyers have 89 points. Um, 
I think that means that they, the Flyers are now tied with the Blue Jackets. That's right. Um, I believe yep. that would make sense, yeah. Yeah, they are, because the Blue Jackets have 89 points as well. Um, so so that makes uh, everything interesting now. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was apparently it was a Brian Ruskell from Sidney Crosby. Uh, who else? So, um, yeah, uh, we're on f- Twitter, uh, Lace Up Podcast. Um, then we also are on Facebook, Lace Them Up. Um, what's, do we have anything on the blog? Unfortunately, uh, in the middle of rain, it's at my job, so I've uh, been pretty jam-packed, busy with other things, but I got some off days coming up, so I'll hammer down some blog points. I'll talk uh, more about, uh, the standings, goaltender interference, goalie fatigue, we'll get, uh, That'll become like a four or five part series, so stay tuned for that throughout the week. Uh, and uh, as teams get eliminated, I'll explain uh, what led to their downfall. So, uh, promise you, there's going to be stuff on the blog. Uh, keep your uh, eyes peeled for that. I post uh, the articles on Facebook and Twitter, www.thelacemuppodcast.wordpress.com, if you want uh, the link to the actual blog. All the info is up there. Nice. All right. Uh, cool. Um, yeah, uh, I think that's it. Uh, I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 119 of the Lace Em Up podcast.